Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Why don't you open your Bible uh, to Romans chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 1, and then I'm going to read another passage to you from the book of Matthew in chapter 16. Let me say to you that um, what I'm going to present to you now is uh, very, very, very important. It's one of the things that we all think about, but we don't talk about a lot in some circles. But it's something that is certainly an open book and something we need to look very strongly at. I'm titling the message, Why Do We Do What We Do? And I was talking about the church. Why is that budget the kind of budget it is? What does it represent? Why is this worship service like it is? Why are the Bible study hours like they are? Why are all the other ministries of the church, the student ministry, the children's ministry, the widow's ministry, the senior adult ministry, all of these things, the helping hands ministry, why do we do that stuff? And we're going to look carefully and we're going to deal with a question that is asked by many, many people. When the church does not know what its priority is, it gets off on all kinds of tangents. I want to try to show you what the priority is set by Jesus. And then I want to show you how we as a body of believers here in Houston, Texas, if you're watching on the internet, we welcome you. But I want to show you why we do what we do because there is a purpose for a church being on the planet. So let's take it from there and we'll go to the, here's the question. What about those people on the earth that, and I've heard so many say like, you know, preacher, I've always wanted to know something. What about those people out there that have never heard about Jesus? And they've never gone to church, they've never had a Bible. If they die and they don't give their heart to Jesus, what's going to happen to them? Now, that's a big, powerful question to a lot of people. And it's a reasonable question. We're going to deal with it. But let me tell you what's a bigger question. What about all those people that live in Houston, Texas, that hear about Jesus everywhere? Sometimes he's being damned, and sometimes he's being praised. Bibles are in every hotel room, every motel room, every hospital. Churches on every corner. Opportunity after opportunity. Their problem is not they've never heard. Their problem is they've rejected Jesus. That's the big problem. But sometimes you can get your mind off of your situation to deal with something that God says, I'll handle that. But what about you? Every, to quote the scripture, every one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Let's see how that all plays out, okay? Would you stand out of respect to the reading of the word? Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul writes to Rome these very powerful, powerful words. When this man that was the executioner of Christians, life was changed instantaneously. And here's what he said. For I, Paul, am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now I want to take you back to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. Jesus is speaking. We'll go back to the 13th verse. When Jesus, this is the 16th chapter of Matthew, the 13th verse. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, 
Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others say you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto him, but whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now listen to this verse. And I say also unto you, Simon Peter, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is a promise from Jesus to a man that was saved out of an incredible lifestyle and said, I'm going to build my church. See, it's not my church, it's not your church, it's his church. On that rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now let's bring it up today. As you're seated, listen to me carefully. Why do we do what we do? A moment ago, you voted a $12.2 million budget. If you look carefully at last year, 27% of the budget of our church, and the budget and the gifts of our church went to world missions. Last year, this church supported 10,000 missionaries in 141 countries of the world. Last year, this church sent out funds to all kinds of indiv individual mission causes, beginning with a, a crisis pregnancy center to various mission groups, to getting the word of God out, sending our young people and adults to the uttermost part of the world, supporting those 10,000 missionaries, 24,000 uh, plus churches were established around the world. What in the world is a church? Why do we do that? Why don't we just try to see how big we can get right here and instead of standing on the promises, just sit on the premises and invite everybody to come and sit with us and then our favorite song becomes, I shall not be moved, and just sit here and just have a happy meal time and feel like that, hey, I've been to church today, and we don't even know what a church is. A church is something that you need to know what it is because it impacts everything we do, both here and around the world. You can look at a person's checkbook, and you can tell what their priorities are. I can look at yours, you can look at mine, we could look at the churches and we'd find out what the priority of it is, of the church is. What's the priority of your checkbook? Where you spend your money? How does it relate to what you give to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to how you spend your money to be entertained, for instance? Where does it come up? How does it, how does it weigh? Every church and every religious ministry has its priorities. You can turn on the television, you can go through all the Christian channels. When you go, stay with them five minutes, you will see. One of them wants to make you feel good. The other one wants to make, many of them want you to just help them. They, they want to help you by you send them $100 and God's going to send you 1000 You say, that's the best deal I've heard in a long, long time. And that's their ministry. Sermon after sermon, week after week, time after time. Those of you that are watching by television or internet, you've never had anything sold to you on television, nor never have you been asked to send funds. Why? Because this church 
spent almost $1 million last year putting that telecast out there for the world to hear that Jesus loves them. This we know because this Bible tells us that he does. And we want the people to hear. God will supply our needs here. But the point is, many people don't know why we do what we do. And then because they don't know why we do what we do, they don't know why we do it the way we do it. And as we look at the scripture, we find out every church has its own DNA. Our mission statement, Sage Mind, is we're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Last week, a lady wrote us, she said, I've been watching for 18 months on a continent on the opposite side of this world. So I watch you every single week and has been from the very beginning. Sagemont has its own core values. Go out and look at the 45-foot mural that was painted by Cobus Moeller, one of the most incredible artists of this generation. He watches us on television, watching us on the Internet right now in South Africa. Those core values he portrayed in a 45-foot painting mural. Here's what they say. First of all, that mural is painted, and behind the, the color of the paint, the Bible's pages have been put across that entire 45 foot because this church is built upon the Word of God. Here's, here is our core values. Leaders, L, we love God. E, everybody matters. Sick, sick, healthy, poor, rich, all people of the world. A, the authority of Scripture. D, we're debt free. E, we try to do things with excellence. R, we're relevant. And S, we want everybody to grow spiritually. Now, that is our core values. But we have our priorities. And I want to tell you what that is. Our priority is to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to the uttermost part of the world. I am preaching today, and some of you are sitting by people today. You have not met them yet. Maybe, I hope you have. But you, there are people here today, and this is the first time they've ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they hear it. They came to church for the first time today. There are others sitting here whose hearts are broken. There have been deaths. There are terminal illnesses. Already been told by one of how the one that we love very much has gone on hospice. John Mark is in with his mother has passed away. Be the funeral this week. Relationships broken. Men have been weeping today. Women have been weeping. Children have been despondent. Daddy has left home. That's our real world. And Jesus came into this world to seek and to save those that are lost, those that are hurting, and those that are going through turmoil. He says, I'm going to put together a church. He says, I love the orphans. I love the widows. Ask any widow at this church if this church ministers to them. Ask the sick. Ask anyone in this church that's ever been in the hospital how many visits they've had while they were in the hospital. I talked to one of our men. He's back here today for the first time in eight weeks, and he told me on the phone this week, he said, Pastor, I just called to tell you we're going home today. But I want you to know, Pastor, my wife has had a visit every single day for eight weeks that we've been in the hospital. Somebody from Sagemont has come by to pray with her and for her. That is what the church is about, loving on the family of God. When one hurts, we all hurt. We don't meet here just to do our thing on Sunday morning. We don't set our deacons aside to run the church. They're set aside to minister to people, the young and the old. Last week, you voted on deacon. Some were in their 20s. Some were probably in their 80s. And you voted across the board the unity and the love that we have for both the young and the old to take the spiritual reins of leadership in our church and be the spiritual leaders of our church. That's who we are. Now, why? Why do we do 
what we do. Well, in the 16th chapter of Matthew, Jesus said, now, Peter, I'm going to keep it simple for you. You had not been to seminary yet, Peter. You've done a lot of fishing, and you're pretty good at it. But he said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Now, let me tell you the facts today. The churches in America are dying. And the churches around the world in many places are exploding. You can't get people in in many of the churches of the world this morning. America is forsaking God and the, and the world is receiving the message. And it goes back where people say, I don't understand about those people that are way over there in that Middle East. Why is it some of them never heard about Jesus? Well, their parents heard about him, or their great-grandparents did, and they forsook Jesus, and they left Jesus, and the sins of the parents are passed to the third and the fourth generation. And now, no, the gospel's not over there. And if America keeps going like it's going, the gospel's not going to be here because we are going to leave the purpose for which we were here. The church is established to lift up the banner of Jesus Christ and to say, God loves everybody, and whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And whoever comes will not be cast out. But to play games is something that God will not tolerate. There's enough entertainment in the world that entertainment does not become the priority of God's church. Jesus loved the church, died for the church, gave himself for the church. And so as we sit here today, I want you to hear real quickly four things that I hope you'll never forget. Before I give you the first one, I want to say to you, when you're thinking about what about all these other groups and they don't have this, they don't have that, and they haven't heard this, and they haven't heard that, I just want to say to you, if you're wondering what happens to a person who dies, never once hearing the gospel, what happens to them, I want you to listen very carefully, but I want you also to apply it to your personal life. Is Jesus on the way to heaven? A question. Rhetorical question, or is he not the only way to heaven? Is God a just God? Is he a fair God? Is he a wise God? Is he an all-knowing God? Is he a loving God? Well, then how are we going to deal with those things? See, our young people are going off to college. They're sitting in classes of people that are, for instance, they're agnostics. Now, they're not just an ordinary agnostic. They are a brilliant agnostic. They, they are degreed in whatever they do. But they're agnostic. You know what an agnostic is? An agnostic is a person who says they don't know. If there's a God, they don't know him. Agnostics is people who says, I don't know. Let me ask you a question. How can you be a brilliant at not knowing anything? That seems to have some problem with me. You know, I'm just brilliant at knowing nothing. Okay? But you say, no, but my professor is an atheist. Well, we'll get to that in just a second. But I want to ask you, when John, when in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, is that true or is it not true? Let me put it like this. If that is not true, Jesus is either a Lord or he's a liar. I believe he's Lord. If Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me, he was a lunatic to say something like that if he wasn't the way, the truth, and the life. If he did not know that he was the Son of God, if he did not know when he said in John 14, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he was absolutely crazy to do that. And now he's not telling us the truth. 
How about in Acts 4.12? Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Did you hear that? That's the scripture. There's no other name. No other name. Now, let me give you four propositions from the Word of God. Number one, and I may spend more time on this than the other three put together, but I want you to listen real carefully. I'll stay within my time. Number one, all people everywhere have some light. Regardless of their background, Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Now listen to this. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without an excuse. What does that say? Did you see the sun rise this morning? Did you know the sun came up all over the world this morning? Did you look at that sun and say, wow. And by the way, it was beautiful this morning. Have you seen a beautiful bird this week? Have you seen the azaleas breaking and blooming in Houston? I went over to where I was born, 402 Johnson, Pasadena, and looked at the Isaiahs. They're all over the city of Pasadena. They won't be there very long. You don't think that they declare the glory of God? The little birds, the little bugs, all of them unique. I didn't have time. I wanted to look up. Uh, if I'd have known how to do it on my, on my phone, I, you know, I want to call that woman and ask her, you know, how many kinds of bugs are there and how many kinds of, of trees are there and how many kinds of fish are there and how many kinds of flowers are there and how many kinds of peoples are there. All of us are different. All of us got our own DNA. You know, God says, what do you mean they don't know there's a God? I put stuff all over this world every day, every night. You go to Africa, you ask anyone on the African continent about what's called the Southern Cross. The Southern Cross is a beautiful arrangement of the stars that when you look up, the corners of the, and the posts of the stars are there. It comes up. It goes all the way across the sky every night in Africa. When you take the pointers off of the star, you bring them into a point at the cross, and it always points to the south. Anywhere in Africa, when you get lost, you can look to the cross, and you can find your way home in the middle of the night. Those stars are many times bigger than this earth. Yeah, isn't that something? That just happened. You think your iPhone just happened? I mean, some of you believe more in Bill Gates than you do in God, you know, or the computer. See, we see all of that kind of stuff. You think General Motors' cars just come from, boom, there was an explosion over at the junkyard. <laughs> there comes the 2014 models. No, no, uh-uh. But, but you look at life and you say, wow, what in the world's happened? Two things in this scripture. Number one, there's two things that everybody has all over the world. Number one, God said, I've made myself so evident creation, man is without an excuse. Everything proves there's a God. 
One verse of scripture says, Psalms 14 and 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Do you think a peacock came from an explosion at a, at a pillow factory where they had feathers in the pillow and they just blew up? And what was so interesting is that they settled down over at a dye plant where they had all these different colors. They <laughs> fell down in that dye plant and isn't it a coincidence? Boom, there was another explosion at the dye plant. And all of those feathers came down on this naked-looking blob of protoplasm running on the ground with two big feet and head up in the air and a beak going like this, and they fell perfectly on that peacock and on that ring-necked pheasant and on that gorgeous cardinal. And isn't that something? Isn't that something? Just coincidence, of course. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's the way the evolutionist says it happened, though. They says nothing time nobody equals everything. <laughs> they say the evolution, the gases exploded and solidified. You know, you want to ask them, where'd the gases come from? And then those intellectuals, they tell us, you poor old ignorant Christians, you just believe your stuff by faith. I'm here to tell you, it takes you a whole lot more faith to believe that monkey story than it does to believe that in the beginning God <laughs> created the heavens and the earth. And, and, and if, you, you haven't, if you haven't seen the evidence of God, you need to go to the zoo or the circus or just look around you here in this room today. No two are alike. But we're the ignorant ones. I don't think so. I don't think so. Science. There's no such thing as scientific fact. People come and say, well, there's scientific fact. There's no scientific fact. That's the scientists. There's scientists, but no scientific fact. If you went to school at A&M or Texas. I want to keep, I don't want to ride here. And right here, I've got to be through here in just a minute. If you went in the 1960s, you were taught that electricity went from a positive to a negative. Now they figured out that it goes from negative to positive. That what happened when, the, when Ben Franklin's kite got hit by lightning, it started on the ground. The wire went up, the electric charge formed, and lightning came out of heaven. Now, it's totally reversed in the scientific world in your lifetime. Something as simple compared to this other stuff as electricity. And yet, we go to school and we get our diploma and take it with us and say, well, I've been to school and I am educated. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Whenever it gets so complicated, you don't understand it. Now, it's just fun. You don't worry about it. You just take it and get it fixed. You know? Any of you try to fix your iPhones? Just every time it breaks, I just go down the kitchen, you know, first I give it washed, I clean it up, you know, and I beat it up, tear it apart. No, no, you take it, somebody knows what you're doing. Well, the Bible said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But there's something else. In Romans chapter 2, it says not only does everybody know about creation, Psalms 19 Verse 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. But now there's also our conscience. Listen to Romans chapter 2 verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these things having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts, the mean, while accusing or else excusing one another. Here's what it says. Every person has a conscience. Every culture has a desire to know a higher creator. Every civilization has some feelings about marriage, the wife, the children, the husband. 
the community, the tribe. The trees up here. It's, but inside, there is a conscience that is there. They know, they don't know the Ten Commandments, but they know that something greater than them, because God's Word, they have not read, but it is written in their heart. And their heart is able to be the inward manifestation. The river can be the outward manifestation. We see the Grand Canyon. We see the Yellowstone Park. We see the beautiful creations of God. But our heart bears witness of it as well. Man's conscience bothers him. I'm talking again to people right here, right now, or you're watching. You're troubled today. I've looked in the eyes of several weeping people this morning. They're bothered. Why? That's the world we live in. It's a mean, wicked world. If you don't have something to hold up on, we're going to be celebrating Easter here in a few days. Nobody else in the world is going to celebrate that. Only us Christians. Our God reigns. He's alive. He's alive. He is risen, as he said. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but you just trust this book. Jesus is alive and wants to live in your heart. And whatever you go through today, he wants to go through with you. And if the whole world is turned against you, your husband, your wife, your kids have gone in rebellion, God will never forsake you. God is love, and he lives in your life. And if that's all you've got, that's all you need. And God will take it from there. Real quickly, when light is refused, darkness increases. I'll be real brief on this one because I've already alluded to it, but you just think about it. Many people in the world rejected Jesus years ago. Now that it's the most pagan parts of the world. Other groups are hearing about Jesus for the first time, and they're exploding. They'll fill a hillside. They'll fill a coliseum. They'll fill every church. They'll be out the windows of the church listening today while vacant seats are in every church in America. That's what's going on in our world. Romans 1.21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Listen to this. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. That happened years ago in other places. I want to say again, it's happening down in America. Darkness, spiritual darkness is coming in on our land. And unless we have revival, we'll be that other group they'll be talking about 200 years from now. How can those people in America die and go to hell? They've never heard the gospel because the next generations have come and the next. If you don't use it, you ever hear this one? You lose it. That's true of the gospel. If the church doesn't preach the gospel, how long is the gospel going to remain? If we don't lift up Jesus, how long is Jesus going to stay in our church? If we don't glorify Jesus in all that we do, why would we expect him to stay around here? There's plenty of places Jesus can go to church. If we don't love people like Jesus loved people, if we don't do what Jesus does, if we don't see people like Jesus see, all have sinned and come short of, of the glory of God, none are righteous, no, not one, but I love you unconditionally. And I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. When a man sees with his eyes and feels with his heart the presence of God, but he refuses to believe, something happens. Something happens. Where once I was blind, I at one time I saw, but now I've gone back into blindness again. The sins of the parents have passed down to the third and the fourth generation. Our people 
many have become involved in cults. There's a lot of people because they have no idea of the Bible. When your doorbell rings and somebody wants to talk to you, you take it hook, line, and seeker, and they put down your church and your doctrine. You don't even know what your doctrine is. And they go after, and you go after other gods. That's the way it happens. That's the way it happens. You choose sin. And God says you can have your sins. But he says when you've chosen it, you've believed a lie. Number three, light obeyed increases light. Reject light, you get more darkness. You obey light, and more light comes. In other words, you act on what you have. Those people got up this morning and realized, wow, that earthquake had hit California yesterday. Wow, he's the God of the universe. His power is in the ground. His power is in the wind. His power is in the fire. But his power also comes through a still, small voice. Listen to Romans 1.17. Light obeyed increases light. For, in, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For the just shall live by faith. I see a sunrise. I believe there's a God. The next day I see something else. Wow. What an awesome thing. Little by little by little by little. Listen to John 7, 17. If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it's from God. You know what that says? If you're not willing to follow Jesus, why should he reveal himself to you? If you're not willing to take up your cross and follow him, why would you even need to hear about that? Because you said, I'm going to do my own thing. I've already let it known real clear to my mother and daddy who I was told in the Bible to honor your father and mother and your days will be long on the earth, but I've already decided I'm not going to honor my father and mother. I'm not going to listen to what they said. I'm going to do what I want to do. How do you expect when the heavenly father gets the same treatment that he's not going to say, those I love, I chastise, I discipline, because I love them. Light obeyed increases light. You remember Paul? He was carried over to Ananias' house. Peter, I mean, Cornelius had a vision from an angel. An angel spoke to him. He sends him over to the apostle's house. That's what happens. Dr. Criswell Christ of Plain, one of the great preachers of this generation in heaven now, pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas for many years, a bunch of headhunters in South America, killed some missionaries down there. But before they killed the missionaries, they put the seed in South America. Dr. Criswell was flying over that part of South America, his twin engine airplane hit the ground, crashed, but he survived. While he was there, those headhunters, that man led to Jesus Christ. And now there's a strong work for God in that part of South America. God sent a scared-to-death, white-haired Baptist preacher and crashed his airplane right in the middle of the village almost. But they came to Jesus. They responded to the little light when the missionaries were there. Then others in the tribe killed them, but God sent the finishing touch and they heard, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Ethiopian eunuch. Reading Isaiah. And God got a preaching deacon to leave a crusade over in Samaria. Samaria and come and bring the light that he had to add to the light that this Ethiopian had had. And he led him to the Lord. And was baptized. And finally... All men are going to be judged fairly by God that loves them, by the light that they have, 
There's not a different way to be saved, no. But God is going to speak to them, and God is speaking to them. He says clearly in his word in Luke chapter 12, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, that's us, neither did according to his will, will be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him much is required. And to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. The Lord says this, folks. We don't know. But he knows. He's too good to commit a wrong. He's too wise to make a mistake. You don't make that decision. I don't make that decision. God makes that decision. You can trust him. But by the same token, don't you think for one moment, to those of us that hear the gospel, it's on every station, I mean, it's on in every television market. It's all over the place. It's still here, 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 here. Don't you think that America is going to miss the judgment of God if it doesn't humble itself and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways? Then he'll forgive our sin. Then he'll heal our land. But in the meantime, we will perish too if we don't come back to God. So while we're worried and do nothing, this church has said, as for us, we're going to do what we can do. We may not speak to everybody, but we'll speak to as many as we can. And if you come in here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or any time else, and we don't tell you about Jesus Christ, I want you to tell me because I will weep over that tragic mistake because sometimes we have only one opportunity and we want to take advantage of it and today we have an opportunity to tell you Jesus loves you this I know for this Bible tells me so God made him evident with a beautiful sunrise today when you go home you look at those my wife has got something I don't know what they even call them they're a purple flower about that long but but one of our our neighbors called over and and as far as I know, she's not a Christian. And she said, I just envy, Beth, your beautiful wisteria. Is that what it is? Or hysterias or something. Anyway. <laughs> Folks, when you go home today, look, 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 look. God's alive. And he wants you in his family. Young people, God's got a plan for your life. Wednesday night, we're going we're gonna to ordain Tony Robinson. The young man sitting right over here with one of our special kids. No, he's not here now. He, went with, he was in here for the baptism, for a wonderful baptism. Tony's going to be ordained, set aside for the gospel ministry. Over 300 young people in our church have gone in the gospel ministry. We're going to surround him. We're going to love on him. You're going to see a beautiful service on Wednesday night as we set aside a man that loves Jesus and loves people to the gospel. That's what we're called to do, and that's the reason the church is here. If that's not the kind of church you're looking for, there's plenty of other kinds, and there's plenty of them. But as for us and our house, we're going to serve the Lord, and he's going to be lifted up, and we believe that all people will be drawn unto him. Would you just pray with me for a moment? In the first service, there were several people that made commitments to Christ out here in our Connection Center that came by, and some of them got a Bible, then went down there and prayed to receive Christ. This is between you and God, folks. Anything I can talk you into, somebody else can talk you out of. But if the Holy Spirit's talking to you today, you better listen. If your life's been a life of confusion, failures, frustrations, 
Jesus says, that's because you're not doing what I made you to do. You're trying to act like a fork and I made you a spoon. You're different. You're not being, you're, you're just, you're wasting your time. But if you'll come unto me, I will make you what I want you to be. So as we sing this beautiful song, wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. If you're willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus, he's willing to lead you to incredible experiences. And when you walk through the valley, he's going to be there. When you're on the mountain, he's going to be rejoicing. When you're crying, he's going to be crying with you. When you're hurting, he's going to be able to say, I know how you feel. But one day, you'll understand. One day, the world will understand why the Romans were able to nail Jesus to the cross. But you need to be in the praise side, not in the horror side, when Jesus comes back again. Our Heavenly Father, would you please bless now as we simply try to invite people to follow you. They find a lot of fault in us, but they'll find no fault in you. So may we decrease and you increase. And wherever you lead people now, if you lead people out to that connection center to get a brand new life and a fresh start, may they follow. If you say, follow me, God, help them to follow you. And may we put nothing in their way that will keep them from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.